Hello, my friends. Paul White here. Deeper Daily Podcast, 28th day of May. Thank you for joining me. We have been studying these words used in the Bible that are translated as hell, and we've ended up with Gehenna, and I don't want to drag this on and on, so we're not going to stay on this much longer, but I do want to show using the oral tradition um, that would then, of course, much of it be written down in, in Mishnah, which is the oral tradition or rabbinical thought of the first century. We're using that to sort of come up with their idea of what this Gehenna place was, because Gehenna is, of course, the Valley of Hinnom. It's the valley that runs around the western and southern edge of the city of Jerusalem all the way to the Kidron Valley. It is the word Jesus most often uses that gets translated hell. It's Gehenna, that valley. There's no uniform vision of Gehenna, even in Jesus' day. Uh, We do have the elders referring to Gehenna as a sort of afterlife judgment, but the penalties are various. Mostly, they are limited in duration. They're limited in scale, and they are in proportion to your crime, and they are almost always with a view of rehabilitation. Um, And this seems to be the teaching of God's perfect justice and how it would manifest through something like Gehenna. So I told you we were going to show you their usage of this place and some of the things that you can land on based upon that teaching because we don't have a... Again, let me say this again. We don't have a clear path to what it looks like because it looks like so many things. So for instance, it is a metaphor for hell, the way we use the word hell, Uh, but a metaphor for a real location, a, a place of suffering, a place of flames, a place that is in the afterlife. Um, its size, its gates, all these things are debated, but there are some teachings and some very clear teachings on what it was thought to look like. For instance, from the the Mishnah titled Sukkah, I'll read directly. There were two date trees in the valley of Hinnom from between which smoke ascended, and this is the gate of hell. Now, again, we're reading from the Mishnah. This is the Jewish rabbinical teachings uh, that was compiled about a hundred years after Christ, but they were oral traditions that had come across hundreds, if not over a thousand years of teaching. And so already we see a metaphor for a real place called hell. And the scripture that was often attached to that was from number 16, when the, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up Korah and everyone that belonged to the household of Korah. And they perished, and it says, fire came out. This is Numbers 16.35. Fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering incense. So this is in the Old Testament tradition. The Mishnah also teaches that Gehenna can have a time limit, and most of the teachings of the rabbis saw that time limit as a year, which corresponded to the time that Jews were in bereavement over loss. And then the suffering would either end in restoration or the suffering would end in annihilation. And that sort of depended um, on which teacher you were listening to, whether it was restoration or annihilation. 
for instance, Shabbat, one of the Mishnah teachings says the wicked in Gehenna last no longer than 12 months. Uh, the Midrash Reha says, Hezekiah says the judgment in Gehenna is six months of heat and six months of cold. Um, the, uh, uh, the Edioth, another Mishnah teaching, says five judgments. Some have lasted 12 months, others will do so. Those of the Deluge, of Job, of the Egyptians, of Gog and Magog, and of the wicked in Gehenna. So we're just taking this valley outside of Jerusalem and realizing that it has been used... As a metaphor for the afterlife, it is used as a place that has a time limit. And as I told you before, it was also used as a place that could have an exit, at least for some. Uh, For example, the Mishnah taught that some people could be released for good deeds, um, whether it was something on behalf of the poor, either performed by the one that died in their lifetime, or performed by loved ones uh, who were still on the earth. I don't, I don't want to get into all of the readings of that, but I just want to establish, the, again, these are teachings from the Mishnah. You, you might say, well, who cares what that teaches? Well, I know we don't establish our faith off of rabbinical oral tradition, but if you want to get an idea about how people thought in the times of the Bible or in the time of Christ, it's smart to listen and read things like the Mishnah. At least listen to what they had to say. You don't have to establish your faith or your belief in it, but it can inform you on context, probably better than than almost anything you could you could look at. Um, so, uh, all kinds. Of, I'm, I'm I'm looking at several different quotes from Mishnah, different different writings of the Mishnah, and trying to. I even before I got started, I go, well, well, there's too many of them to just read and read and read. But um, let me just one more, and that is that that there was a teaching that Gehenna could be purgative. That means not just designed for punishment, but also for purification. Um, Now, I want you to know that there was never a rabbi in in the Jewish world that, that, those of the Mishnah, that claimed that they had divine revelation. They weren't writing going, thus saith the Lord. Um, But they did have discussions in the Talmud, this, this assemblage of writings, that was law, uh, custom, tradition, and they help us to see the Old Testament from the eye of a first century Jew. And here's, a, here's an example, because when you get to the Septuagint, and you guys, if you listened to my sermon yesterday, or actually today we aired it, I talked about it yesterday, but aired today called Grace in the Wilderness, then you go with me into Psalm 84. That's a psalm of ascent. Pilgrims would sing it on the way to Jerusalem. And it points eschatologically to the future. When you translate that into Greek, the Septuagint, from Hebrew to Greek, that 84th psalm, that fifth verse, blessed are those who pass through the valley of Baca and make it a spring or make it a well, I think the old King James says. The Septuagint translates it, blessed are those who pass through the valley of Gehenna. Because when they went to Greek, they used the Greek understanding of what Baca was. So, Gehenna. My point there is, even in the Psalms, you get an indication that the valley of Gehenna is transformed into a place of springs. And they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. And Zion, to the Hebrews, was paradise. And so if you read 
Psalm 84, verses 5, 6, and 7 through their lens, what you might get is something like this. Blessed are those of you who are on a pilgrimage who go through Gehenna. And while you're there, you transform it. It transforms around you. And ultimately, you appear in paradise. Do with that as you will. I'm going to close this whole study out by going back into our Mark 9 on tomorrow's podcast. We'll see you then. God bless.